Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways cars connect us. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. We don't always discuss car news here on the podcast. Welcome back to the podcast, by Sometimes. the way. Thanks for being with us. But happy Friday. Yeah. And wow, this week and big throwdowns of car news. And the other thing about it that's happened is they couldn't be more diametrically opposed. <laughs> Good point. On one end, yes. we have gasoline, supercar, hypercar, whatever you want to call it, crazy car, <laughs> mega car, yeah. breaks speed records with the SSC. And the other end, we have GM and an electric behemoth truck. Yeah. Same week, totally different news. There's we, always it's, yeah. there's so much to unpack here. And, and here's the other crazy thing. Technically, neither of these are very everyday. <laughs> Both of these are quite expensive. However, they're all the car community is talking about. And so you and I should at least chime in. Many of you have asked us in the questions to chime in. There will still be a car debate. There's lots of questions coming, but we got to get into this. Yeah, we do. So starting with SSC Tatara, this is an incredible car. I'm still mixed about the rear end look, but I, I will give this to them because they've gone out and done it and shattered Bugatti's record, which I love. Records are made to be broken. Yep. But here's what's crazy is, do you remember when I went to the 2015 Goodwood Festival of Speed? Yes. And I spent some time because Autodesk was then a partner of BAC, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. and the mono was the big talk of the show, mm-hmm. and the test driver for mono was mm-hmm. Ollie Webb. I remember. I got to meet him then yeah, yeah. and just... The super easy going, couldn't be more laid back, really nice guy. And like I said, he was there just on behalf of BAC mm-hmm. because he mm-hmm. was doing all their test driving and, yeah. and shakedown yeah, yeah. runs and all that kind of stuff. So he did ice driving for BAC and he did all this stuff. And so he came by the booth and we just met him and chatted a while. And I thought, cool, he's gone on to have an incredible career. He's yeah, done yeah. Lamar starts. He's in high demand as a driver, a pro driver. And here he was when I read it was Ollie mm-hmm. driving at mm-hmm. 331 miles an hour. And I did the math. I did 165 in the Maserati and the Salt Flats. Yes, you did. Double that number. Yeah. That's how fast Ollie went. Yeah. I, I'm stunned by yes, that number. Yes, agreed. Agreed. Just out of the box. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know the engineers prepped it, of course, fully road Of course. It, yeah, yeah. He just went. And I love reading his story. If you haven't read it, it really is pretty touching because he was emotionally drained and crying at the end of one of the runs, at the wow. last run. I mean, just tears, just your your human body, mm-hmm. just what that does to you at the end of a run like that. I can't even come close to well, imagining. It's, it's back to the old test pilot stuff of the early NASA years. It's that kind of thing. A it's bunch a of engineers point. say, we built this thing. And we expect it We're to not do, gonna drive we it. We expect it to do this, but we don't yeah. have the capability to go try it to do that. So we need to strap somebody in and they need to go make efforts. I mean, I, and I'm not taking anything away from modern test pilots because I always kind of wanted to be a test pilot. But I yeah, realized I as I grew up that the test piloting I wanted to do was that crazy stuff. Yeah. The, well, just strap yeah. yourself in and hope for the best. Now it's been so designed and kind of pre-designed that theoretically it should do exactly what we expect and I need you to do 100 right turns today. Okay, that's kind of what test pilots are doing now. They're mm-hmm. still very bold people. I'm not taking anything away from test pilots. But I feel like in cars you still have that space race feel going on where it's mm-hmm. like we're sure. going to try it and it should work, but ultimately somebody's got to go do it. 
and 331 miles an hour, and they stopped doing more, my understanding is, because of crosswinds moving the car. All he said, he thinks he could have gone faster. That's nuts. Which is astounding. Yeah. And the the wind was shifting him to the edge of the pavement mm. during the run. I mean, Ollie is incredible guy, incredible driver. So yeah, it was it was really fun to read that and realize, oh my mm. gosh, that's fantastic. Yeah, so yeah, happy yeah. for him. I, I'm astounded, but I, I I'm I don't mean this to sound in a in negative way because I'm super duper excited about cars, as you know. Super freak. Mm-hmm. We're all super. Freaks. We are for sure. Yeah, yeah. So any car, the Bugatti or whatever it is, mm-hmm. that has speeds that you. You don't attain maybe ever in your ownership yeah. of this car. Regular McLarens. When are you going to go 200? 200 mm-hmm. is cute now. <laughs> How nice. You, you could go 200. 200. How nice for you. That's sweet. Yeah. That's funny. Great. That's very funny. It's good yeah. to have goals in life. <laughs> it's good to have goals. <laughs> that, is, that, is a, that is a shirt right there. We need to make 200 miles per hour. You know, it's Ollie's good to have goals. Blasting along over here. <laughs> but the point like is, it. when you buy an SSC or a Bugatti or any of these cars... You'll never go that fast in these cars. You may never track them. You'll drive them, and the aura of the test drivers like Ollie will travel with you. Mm-hmm. And when you park it at a car show, that is what people are imagining and seeing, much like the aura around mm-hmm. the test pilots yeah. that yeah, you're yeah. talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Nobody's with those test pilots. You maybe saw a little snippet of footage or a photo, yeah, yeah, but yeah. you don't know what they went through. But yeah. you're never going to attain that, even if you own that thing. Mm. I, I, I'm mixed about it. And I don't say I, that to be a downer because no. I totally want one of those cars. Absolutely. I hope to afford. I, I don't know if that will ever happen, but yeah. I'd love to have one of those cars and be like, I track it, but you know, a top track speed is like 150 on the straightaway or something yeah. or yeah, 160. Yeah. I mean, Great. Or, or you, or you run a runway and you break 200 because your car can <laughs> do cute. 150 miles an hour yeah. faster than that. I, I'm with you on this struggle. But I, I want cars to keep pushing it though. I want yeah. cars to keep going. Because the next magic number, of course, is 350. Do you think Bugatti's going to let this stand? Are they going to be like, Who knows? you're maybe, right, guys, you're better yeah. than we are? Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, but no. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and the Tesla Roadster is supposed to do a million miles an hour. You know, everybody's going to have the thing. You know, it's, it's, the, I'm of two minds about this Isn't as it well. It's a weird thought. And like it's I said, very weird. I, I love it. I love the cars do this. Keep it going. It's it's very weird because I look at it in two ways. Back to the the moon uh, thing. It is a moonshot. It is a we're going to try this, and I can't believe what we did. But it's totally unattainable after you hear how awesome the record is. It's not. Oh, cool! I'm going to go buy one and do that. There really isn't a rest of that. And the people that are going to buy <laughs> this, really. by and large, the people that are going to buy this, there will be exceptions. There will be guys that will buy it and will drive it fast, but they're not going to go full speed. No. The guy that broke the record in, uh, I forget, it actually happened here in the same area. There was a guy with, I think it was a Koenigsegg Agira R. Yeah, right, right, That did a record in the high 200s. But here's the thing. Also very nice. Private owner owned the car, and then he and Koenigsegg got together to hire a test driver to do it. So when you walk away, what happens is the owner gets to say, my car goes this fast. Right. Different than I've been this fast. Very much so, yes. But the people that have money to buy cars like this, they own all of the above. Uh-huh. They don't own they didn't buy that one. They own all of them. All of the ones we can think of, the whole lineup of Pantheon of hypercars. They own mm. all of them. And they want to say they have the entire Pez dispenser, for lack of a better way to put it. I've got one of those two. I've got one of those two. I yeah, and interesting. I, this is something I'm struggling with right now kind of personally. I know this sounds weird, but 
I love the stuff that you and I get to drive, the range of stuff you and I get to drive. We've driven some crazy powerful, incredibly capable yeah, stuff. Yeah. We've driven race cars, we've driven all kinds of stuff. And I feel uh, kind of inappropriately blessed to have done that, some of that stuff. Sure. Like, how did I get here? Right. Many times we have that conversation on shoots where we're like, I can't believe we do this. It's this awesome. is a work day. It's awesome. Right. <laughs> But what I find every time I drive, think about the cars that I like. And I know that this, these are my proclivities. But the cars that I like, FRS, Miata, Lotus, the commonality of the cars that I like are they're not that fast. Mm. They're just not. They're not that quick. Right. right. You can go plenty fast enough. Sure. But they're not that fast sure. car. But I like the fact that I can ring it out. Yeah. I like the fact that I can yeah. go experience it and I can interact with it. And I feel like the car and I are we're doing something. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Even modern McLarens and Ferraris and these kind of things, this is going to sound weird because I am a car guy to the core, of course. Of course, of course. I get the models confused of the modern hypercars. What, what's the current Ferrari lineup? What, what is the latest McLaren that was released? Yeah. Because, because yeah. they not only are something I can't afford, but because I, I realize it's all unobtainium. It's all something where if I were to buy that, I can't do what it does. Sure. And you and I are pretty competent drivers. Sure, sure. We're no, we're no Ollies. We're no race we're drivers. Not, yeah, we're not anything yeah, like that. Yeah. But we can still march up further in, into the capability of a car than a lot of people. A lot of the people that have the money to buy the crazy ones, we're definitely better drivers than a lot of them. Right, right. But yet, it, it isn't something you can go and use. So now, here's my concern. My concern is that it creates a scenario where the only reason you have it is to say you have it. But I don't want cars and car manufacturers to ever stop doing that because yeah, it, it's, it's, this ties is the into difficult your part. hopes and dreams and your lust and love mm -hmm. as a car enthusiast. You go, oh, my gosh, that exists. Yes, yes. Maybe I could even own one in my life. Yes. Holy cow. But, the, but, but I'm struggling with the fact that you already are at it. We're already at a place. Hellcats. Yeah. Hellcats. Yeah. I, it's mind-blowing. They're no. mind-blowing. You can't use a Hellcat. They make you laugh and cry and giggle. And people who have, most people have never experienced yeah. Hellcat engines, they're freaked. Yeah. They're freaked. But you can't use it. Yeah. And then you think about, look, forget forget Hellcats for a second. Most Teslas. Yeah. The, the speed yeah. of most Teslas, we've talked to many owners about this, make their passengers sick. The acceleration. Yes. There's, yes. there's quick and fast. Quick is, to me, off the line, fast is top speed. So totally. The, the acceleration, yes. But, but Teslas, exactly. and we're going to get to the, the EV Hummer in a minute. It's the same category. Electric cars are fast. Not, not. Please separate yourself from Teslas are fast. Because they are. But Teslas are fast because electric cars are fast. This right, isn't a Tesla right. creation. They just packaged it well and marketed it better first. But my point is, we know so many people that have Teslas that they make their passengers sick. And they, mm -hmm. and they, in some cases, have stopped doing the launches because it was too much. That's, it's, a sedan, it's a family sedan, or it's your big Model X SUV, and you've stopped because you don't even need all of the performance that's possible. Yeah. But yet, when you need to, you can easily pass everyone. Yeah. So yeah. What, what I struggle with is, I agree with you. On one level, I love that the manufacturers, and SSC is tiny. Yeah. I love the moonshot element of this. I love the I can't believe we did it. And the underdog element, too. Totally. Great. Absolutely. So absolutely. Great. That versus versus Volkswagen, of all people. You've got to be kidding. I think it's amazing. <laughs> I, I couldn't be more excited about the fact that that exists and it just happened. And you've got to be kidding me. The little kid in me is like, fantastic. And then the adult in me comes along behind and is a little bit disappointed because I'm like, yeah, and? Right, right. I can't buy it. Nobody that buys it will ever be doing that speed. So it's now just bragging rights. And that makes me bummed. It's like I bought the Picasso and you can't have it. Oh, 
K. It's a little like that. Yeah. It, so it's. I, please don't get me wrong. I'm conflicted here because I am realizing how much I'm enjoying the cars we can actually a afford and b ring out. Mm-hmm. And here's mm-hmm. cars we can't afford. And I'm starting with just Ferrari and going up. Here's cars we can't afford. And also, if you have one, you can't really ring it out. So now it just feels right. like a car that you bought for cars and coffee. So get this. The noise equation of all of these performance cars that we're talking about is a crucial element of car sales mm-hmm. because that's what any owner can do. They can blip the throttle. They can do hard acceleration and mm-hmm. make it sound amazing. Naturally aspirated, turbocharged, whatever that is. Point. The noise, anybody can extract noise out of a car, okay, which All makes right. it accessible. Right. So when we're talking, <laughs> so it's it does. Car, so it's rev your engine at cars and coffee. This is it why I have a 300-mile-an-hour car. It kind of is because yeah. what else can you do yeah. that that car can do? <laughs> it looks you, like that. that you can it share. sounds yeah. like that. I can't share top speed because I've never extracted top mm-hmm. speed, and, and there's nowhere to do it. Yeah. And there's a crowd right here, yes. Those are the things that you can extract out point. of cars like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why everybody blips their throttle. Well, and it's the guys that park their, their car at Cars and Coffee and put the hood up so you can see the nicely chromed supercharger. Totally. And they can tell you it has 2,000 horsepower. And in some cases, they couldn't drive it if it had 200 horsepower. Yeah. But that's not what it's about. I, 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 well, on one level, I embrace all of car culture. The slammed cars, the the bro trucks. I embrace all Don't of the car donks. culture. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love, we are here just about car enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the the more we do this, and this is where I admit to being spoiled, the more we do this, the more I am, I am interested in using what the capabilities are. Yeah. yeah. And so much stuff. Th- this this SSC is a perfect example of, I can't, I, I literally, I'm, I'm a child. I'm so fascinated by the fact it can do this. And then I go, and it's not attainable. <laughs> I would love to own a Koenigsegg. I am so all about Koenigsegg. Funny, funny, funny. I think Koenigsegg to me is like Pagani is to you. I can see that, yeah. That, I would that love for both of us, yeah. you to have a Huayra mm-hmm. and me to have a Koenigsegg, whatever, anything. What do you do with those? <laughs> it, what you, you drive it to cars and coffee. I hate to say it, but you kind of do. There are places in the U.S. where you can go rather quickly. Mm-hmm. There's the Autobahn in Germany. There's places on the planet yeah. where you can drive fast. They do the, but, they, once a year, they do the high-speed runs here in Utah. You could do it sure. at some runway events. It, it exists. Sure. Yes. Then what? Okay, so the the usable, attainable stuff where you can go extract mm-hmm. more fun out of. There's value in that. So everybody, listen. You shouldn't feel bad that I will never be able to afford the thing that because yeah. where will you use it? You yeah. see owners on the ring in their Ferraris and McLarens, tiptoeing, <laughs> getting the golf blasting by them yes. that doesn't care and he's extracting all or more mm-hmm. performance than he should be out of that golf. Yes, yes. Having way more fun, I think. Yeah. Than the I've got the thing that I I don't want to damage, I don't want to have an off tip Which tip I don't blame you for feeling that way. So yeah. who is better? But again, I think there's gonna be electric supercars that will go even faster than this SSC someday. Oh well, probably. Well, I think I think we are already at a place where an electric supercar can accelerate as fast. It just can't hit a top speed that is right. the, where I this car is. I think top speed is coming. I so think then, but but I think the acceleration is there. Nobody's done it, but so, somebody somebody next week is going to do. They're going to figure it out. They're going to do the drag race with the electric of car course. with the. That's going to happen. But I think the acceleration level is at that point with electric cars already. 
But the question is the top speed reality because the electric car typically – we're talking about gearing now. Mm -hmm. The electric Mm -hmm. car doesn't have the gearing to get up there. If you did, then, uh, man, it's just – it's astounding. It's astounding is what it is. It's just astounding. (laughs) And it's awesome, and I love it. I love it. And I'm confused at the same time. (laughs) I know, I know. Well, speaking of electric cars, GM, as you know, has announced the Hummer EV. I'm already seeing commercials Mm -hmm. on TV for this. They're calling it a super truck. Now (laughs) – Super truck. (laughs) It's an (laughs) 800-volt, fast-charge-capable truck. Mm-hmm. It's the EV1 is sold out. The edition one is sold out mm-hmm. already. What makes it super other than GM calling it super? What? Well, well, think about the 0 to 60. Okay. The, the capability of it is what makes it super. The crab block? The, all of the features that it has, all of the tech that it has, the fact that it has the range that it's supposed to have. Okay. And has, <laughs> I'm sorry, side note. WTF mode? <laughs> really? Really? I ranted for yeah. quite some time about Ford with Bronco going with goat mode, greatest of all time yeah. mode. Yeah. GM has now eclipsed that in my rant catalog with WTF mode. That's something somebody, Elon would do. Somebody actually. at GM decided we need to have a WTF mode because nobody can believe this car is. Oh. And so then they had to figure out how do we get WTF mode on the car? Watts to future? Right. That's what it stands for. Sure. WTF mode. Uh-huh. There's, there is so much to say about this thing. Not, and, and some of it's ranty, and some of it is I'm genuinely floored and impressed. I like that GM is doing this. I like that it's out, well, for the most part. Well, From this recording, it's still a year away. And have you noticed that the base EV2 model on the website explicitly states it's not available until spring 2024. So if you're listening in spring 2024, hello. Congratulations, yes. That is three and a half years after this recording, and I hope it's out. I hope more trucks are out competing against it, but they can put the same features that this super truck, the Hummer, has. Mm -hmm. It can do the crab walk and do the tank mode. It can do all this stuff. It'll wind up in the electric Silverado and that kind of stuff. You know it will. all these brands can still do kind of the same features. Yeah. So my question is, what differentiates the Hummer from buying any of the other brands? Is it because they're first to the market? Well, see, that's the key doesn't thing, doesn't necessarily though. mean it's the best. True, but I will say this. Obviously, Tesla has announced the Cybertruck. Yeah. And that's, it's nowhere that's, in sight as far as production. But, but, this, but this is the thing. When GM says, we're making this and it'll be out by here, mm-hmm. you can kind of mark it on the calendar. For the most part. As you can with for Ford and Toyota and these yeah. kind of things. I mean, I'm sure there'll be exceptions, but but by and large, if they say people are going to have these in their hands next year, these these first round that's already sold out, the Moonwalk edition, which is white with moon feet in it. I mean, really? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, if but if they talk about that's going to be available at the end of next year, I actually believe that versus the Cybertruck's current date of whenever because Tesla has, uh, for all of the good things, they have a terrible track record of coming anywhere close to what their dates are. So if you want Fair one enough. of these, you're going to have one of these. Now, granted, we're talking about probably twice as expensive as the Cybertruck's going to be, but we're also talking about 10 minutes uh, Ten minutes to charge you 100 miles is impressive if you can find the right charger. Right. And, I mean, this 350 miles worth of range all of this off-road capability. What I realized watching it's awesome. This, what I realized watching this, this answers a question you and I've had. Okay. Because we've got the Wrangler, Ford kills it with the Bronco, and we said, "Where's GM? Here's GM. This is where they've been. This is Fair why enough. they burned the Blazer name. Sure. Because behind yeah. the scenes, yeah. their big off-road throwdown has been the Hummer. 
And if you see what okay. they've done now, they this is a honestly, I think this is an equivalent fr- throwdown from GM to the Bronco from Ford. Okay, fair enough. I think it is fair equivalent. Enough. It has a name with history. It has huge off road capability. I having off roaded. I don't know how much you're going to use the crab walk feature, but it is cool. Uh, but all of the cameras all around I me. Mean, they really have thought about this in the same way Ford tackled the Bronco and said, "How might this get used?" This has been looked at the same way. Clearly. All of GM's off-road thinking and all of GM's electrical thinking has been focused on this Hummer, which is why I think they just burned the Blazer name and didn't care because it's all okay. been focused Fair here. Enough. This is where GM has been. I am fascinated to see one because I do think they'll be on the road. We'll be very surprised how quickly they'll be on the road. Yeah, and they've got the bolt and the volt under their belt as far as knowledge yes. of building and yes. construction, and I, I'll give you that. I just... Mm, I'm looking at this wondering how much it weighs. I oh. look at it, and I'm guessing anywhere between seven and 8,000 pounds. Probably. It might be like 8,250, depending yeah. on the batteries and configuration. It's got to be well over six. It has to be oh, well it, over six, because I, I, you yeah. can go buy Easy. a Suburban right Easy. now that's over six. Yep. I'm thinking between seven and 8,000 pounds, You're which is right. heavy. Mm-hmm. And the H2, if you guys think way back, remember mm-hmm. Hummer H2s and how popular they were? And you yep. get inside, and there's less interior space behind for the second row mm-hmm. and the cargo space than the Tahoe you had. Yes, but this electric one appears to have quite a bit more. It appears they don't. I don't more. think so. I think it looks like four really? chairs and a tiny, not tiny, but a... a it's not as usable as some pickups. There's a pickup bed. Fair, it's not fair, as usable. Yeah. And then you open the front, and I think, okay, where's all this? Where's all the space? Mm-hmm. Are there batteries up there? Okay, suspension. I get it. The suspension components for what this does are large. Yeah. I get that. Yeah, yeah. And the actuators and motors and everything to run it takes up space. But what's in those front fender wells? What's in there? Fair, fair, fair. fair like you fair. could have yeah. something in there. Like it flips open and there's something. Come on. There's storage in there. I'm going, it still doesn't strike me as the best space utilization, mm-hmm. and it looks too big to my eye. It just, it still mm. looks gigantic. It needs to be, but, but, but for the brand, sells. it needs to look gigantic. It, it does. Need, that's what it, it needs to look I just, like. I think the original Hummers, the, the reason, the, the military version, Humvee, mm-hmm. looked the way they did because yes. of, A, the ground clearance mm-hmm. for the running gear that was yep. along the middle, yep. and also the four big hooks because they attached parachutes to them and dropped them out of airplanes. Or picked them up with choppers. Or choppers, yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah, so that's for sure. yeah. pretty much why they looked the way they mm-hmm. did. And they were yep. armored and all this stuff. Most of them were armored. All right. So the H2 carried that style along and then established a style, but mm-hmm. I, I still think the form comes before function for Hummer, Interesting. which is Maybe. antithetical to how designers are taught. Interesting. It's always function, then form. The function drives the form. I don't think it needs to look or feel that big, and I think GM missed out. I get the white, and you have to have the moonwalk and yeah. whatever. That's fine. You mm-hmm. have to offer it in white. <laughs> Do we? Do we have to offer it in white? They missed out on a big opportunity because the reason people bought Humvees and H2s, mm-hmm. because it felt like a military truck. Fair point. Yeah. 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 So they missed out. Toyota's doing this. They have a color <laughs> explicitly called Army Green. You are so right. And nobody my thinks, is that a tank? Oh, nope. It's just a Tacoma. But are you in the Army? No, but, but it's any just time a Tacoma. You and I have had, we had it in the Come Tacoma on. TRD Pro, and we had it in the Forerunner. When we have an Army Green press truck from Toyota, People we can't wild. park it anywhere without getting into a conversation. Yeah. We stop it anywhere. We stop it at a stoplight. People roll down their windows. I have never seen that yes. off of a random SUV pickup that is not some crazy tricked out thing. 
just because it's army green starts conversations. And so yes. you're right. It's interesting about this reality. Army green. Yeah. A matte sand color. Like embrace the military truck. Look, yeah, at yeah, it. Yeah, come on, yeah, just yeah. embrace it. Yeah. And nobody will think the army's rolling through. Te- oh no, somebody bought a Hummer EV. <laughs> Nobody's going to think that we're going to get it. Like I get it. Okay, mm-hmm. fine. The army green, the matte sand, and maybe that navy digital camo, the blue on blue oh, digital sure. camo. Sure, sure, sure. That sure. could be yeah, kind of yeah. cool, I think, too. Yeah, yeah. But otherwise, I know Hummer kind of made a name for themselves in yellow. It's sort of like, we're big and huge, and let's yeah. slap it in yellow. Like, Why not? Yeah. I don't think yellow would do this truck justice, to be honest. I think it'd be, yeah, I think it'd be garish, in my okay. opinion. All right, all right. And I know you have to have white because you're doing the Arctic thing, and okay, fine, let's offer yeah. white. I wish, ugh. But at least the colors would set this thing off. I guess not that they need it because the first edition is already sold out. Well, and I, I did watch Jason Finsky's uh, breakdown of this thing and talking about a lot of it. Okay. And he climbed in and out of it. It seems like it has decent use of space because they do have, we were talking about it on a prior podcast, they do have the skateboard idea for those batteries. Sure. So that creates sure. a scenario where the, because the biggest problem with the Hummers prior was the running gear, was the mm-hmm. drivetrain through the cabin. The H1s, if you've never sat in an H1, it almost is like you and your passenger are sitting in a bucket. Yeah, and all of that space between the two of you, which feels like two or three feet, is just the it's elevated just running gear transfer cases. Yes, that's all it is. Yes, yes, this isn't an issue on this, yeah, which true. is really interesting. So true. they've created an availability where they can have more space. Obviously, we haven't been in it, we haven't seen it in person. We are intrigued. I am, I am so pleased that this does feel like. Okay, I wondered where GM was. Mm, now okay. I understand they've Fair come enough. to play. I hate that they decided to come to play with white and the WTF mode. I really <laughs> that that bothers me. But I realize I can't win everything. So um, right, it's, right. it's the other thing about it is it's twice as expensive as a Cybertruck. It is. Yeah. I, well, I think you're more excited about it than I am in a funny way. I, I, think, I wish it were smaller and better looking. And but, I know it has to be chunky and it has to look that way. But I wish it were just. Uh, I think, more people, I think more people are going to want this than are going to want the Cybertruck because of the look. Probably so. I think so. the Cybertruck is a little so. too out there for the general public. There will be plenty of people that just want a Tesla that will get the Cybertruck. There will be other people that like the craziness of the look and like things designed only with rulers. But uh, I, think this, <laughs> I think this is going to tap into the reason. Look, all of the trucks right now are huge. They're I think enormous. about your Expedition, which is massive. Yeah. Your expedition expedition as a production vehicle for us is astounding because we can carry five guys around and gear for a week that is both personal gear and also the production gear yes. for a week, and there's room left over. And your expedition, parked by any pickup, full-size pickup or SUV you and I have gotten in the last year as a press car, your expedition looks like a midsize. Absolutely. It's amazing. So everything's gotten so huge. This yeah. thing had to be an extra throwdown of big. I Now you've got me intrigued. I want to know what this thing weighs. I want to know. I do think the most successful element is the lighting on this truck. The front cool. is absolutely cool looking. Mm-hmm. I like the subtle H patterns everywhere. I do like like that they have embraced it. Thank God oh. it has watts to free. Right, right. The transparent sky panels. Bring the T-tops back. Where are the T-tops? I do like that front end. If you park outside during cold months, overnight at home or at work, you need a car cover from Covercraft. We specifically recommend the Custom Weather Shield HP Car Cover. It's designed for dramatic water dispersion while still being breathable and super lightweight. It's also got superior paint finish protection too. On the underside, it's less abrasive than flannel. Our cars are an investment. From our personal fun cars and SUVs to our cheap sports cars, Covercraft is focused on protecting all of them. 
And whatever car, SUV, or truck you love, they want to protect that too. When you're shopping at Covercraft.com, be sure to use the code EVERYDAY to get a 10% discount, and it also ships for free. Follow the link from our sponsors page or go directly to Covercraft.com for high-quality covers that keep your car protected and looking its best. Speaking of off-roaders, we have a car debate for Kevin writing in and not apologizing for the Land Cruiser. (laughs) I I have to step to the side here really quickly. You and I... um, uh, uh, we did not create some friends with our Land Cruiser review <laughs> that we did earlier we knew this that year. Going yeah, in. we knew it going in. We knew it going in. Uh, and I have many things about the Land Cruiser I have not even said on camera or here on the podcast. But uh, Kevin has one, loves it. He had a Suburban, and by 100,000 miles, it was a terribly broken down rattle trap. He had an Audi A7 after that that was surprisingly rela- reliable compared to the Suburban. But now he's had a Land Cruiser, and he loves it. It's been it's been everything that the Land Cruiser hype is about. Yeah, it just he bought it. It runs. It's perfect. It does things, but it's now too small. Amazing. Kevin writes to us, watching all the videos and listening to the podcast. Kevin, thank, thank you, you so much. Really, really cool of you. He said he's only had one occasion to have an overt emotional reaction, and that was our test drive video of the 2020 Land Cruiser. Yeah. We've been in a lot of email conversations about that, and I still maintain that the... We can maintain. It doesn't uh, matter it, what we maintain. It doesn't yeah, matter. It doesn't matter. All right. So he and his wife have four children. They only grow larger and larger every year, mm-hmm. as kids do. In the past two years, they've had two exchange students as well, only one at a time, for 10 months of each year. Recently, his father-in-law passed away, left his mother-in-law widowed. She will often travel with them. He says they're very close, and when they travel, they often travel as a large family. Wow. Okay. His four children have 27 cousins. Mm-hmm. 27. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. <laughs> wow. With, with my, my, I happen to come from a fairly small family. My wife is an only child. My son is an only child. It's funny. We have to like, like sit down and figure out, do you have cousins? Wait, give me a minute. I got to figure this out. I have two. How do we calculate our way to cousins? <laughs> Meanwhile, his four children have 27 cousins. That is a family reunion Incredible. and a half. I love it. Go on. They do utilize the full seating and much of the storage capacity every week mm-hmm. on a weekly basis. And he says, while the Land Cruiser can only seat eight, he doesn't feel bad putting someone less than 25 years old in the second or third row. But that doesn't fly with his wife or mother-in-law. They would not find that acceptable. <laughs> yeah. He says it can comfortably carry eight while towing their 6,600-pound boat. Okay. And he's got the Gobi roof rack with the rear ladder to access the roof and, you know, all that stuff. Because the Land Cruiser has never had worthwhile cargo space with the back row up. It doesn't. And this is the struggle with seven-seaters. Even all the way into, and we're not going this way here for Kevin, but even even going into seven-seater CUVs, they can have a lot of people capacity. But the minute you put all the seats up and you fill them with bodies, you've kind of got room for purses in the back. Mm -hmm. There's Mm -hmm. nothing back there by and large unless you go big. Your Expedition, Suburbans, these kind of things. This is where Kevin's going. He needs that kind of inside-the-cab space for gear behind people. But he has, um, how to put this tactfully, he has been clear <laughs> with how much he really doesn't want a GM product. <laughs> he is. Yes, he, he definitely has. Now, his current garage and his thoughts here, he's got two 997s. Okay. Two. Count All right, them, great. Love it. A Cabriolet 4S and a Targa 4 that he drives most of the year. Excellent. I, 
I love it. He says when the weather gets bad. I love those bad, targas. They're so cool. Yeah, they are. When he, He's got a 2013 A6 Prestige that serves as the winter car and the extra car when something is, is in the shop. Or one of the four kids yeah. needs a car to drive. Speaking of kids, his previous winter car, his 2015 Wrangler Rubicon JK, has now gone to his 16-year-old daughter, and he's very proud to watch her give some crap to all the boys in high school as she drives a manual lifted Jeep and calls out their Patriots and compasses. <laughs> I love this proud dad moment. <laughs> I really do. She drives off in the 2015 Wrangler like, I got this. Pardon me while I, while I stick shift. It's, I think it's fantastic. That's really great. Now, he also has a 2016 LC200. This is his wife's daily. They're this is the Land Cruiser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yes. love it. They love it. Yep. And uh, just past 110,000 miles, barely getting going. All works great. Now, rather than get rid of the Land Cruiser, he can get rid of the Audi and make it his winter vehicle. The only downside is garage space because it's over seven feet tall, probably with that rack. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't be able to park it in under the lift, which the Audi and Porsches can. So we're talking about a garage where Kevin has cars double stacked. That's not going to happen anymore if he gets rid of the Audi and tries to get the Land Cruiser in there for I sure. I love it. I love it. He says uh, everything is paid for, so his real costs are just maintenance and space. But his fear is that if he adds another garage, it's like fish in a fish tank. You're you're right. (laughs) I love this description. The cars will grow to fill the space. That is very funny. Yes, yes. If you build an extra garage, you will not lose any cars. As we've said here many times before, we would all be Jay Leno if we had the money and the space. Yes. We'd all be Jay Leno. Be like, I haven't. With a bunch of cheapies or a bunch of expensive ones. Doesn't matter. Mix or whatever. I have a space for a car. You know what? If we park all of these 10 cars tighter, we can fit three more in here. Let's get three more cars. (laughs) Well, I have room for three more cars. Now, Kevin, you're absolutely right. We rarely talk about cars this big and recommend them. I love that you wrote in. Mm-hmm. He can't seem to find anything outside of the newest generation Lincoln Navigator that seems like it may give them what they're looking for. He doesn't see the space in other large SUVs like Infiniti or Mercedes or the Nissan Armada. Yeah. He says, beyond his generally bad experience with the Suburban. <laughs> wow. There, there, by and the way, we're, paragraphs we're, skipping, we're skipping the paragraphs that relate to that. Yes, go on. So is this his only option, the Navigator? The 2018-2019 Navigator, L's off in the black labels. He says they're in the $80,000 range, and he's willing to do that, but he's never owned a Ford and has not dealt with their service departments. Okay. He likes the idea of the local Lincoln Service Center being separate and likely closer to the experience that he would have with a Porsche or Audi dealer that he's used to. Mm-hmm. He says the options in the midsize SUV space seem to be plentiful, but in the full-size space, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's just new versions of the same SUV we've seen since the 90s. Yeah, yeah. I have a few suggestions here, and I like your Lincoln Navigator. I, I like, crazy enough, Lincoln and what they've done and carved that out. I feel like they need to just go SUV only. They kind of have, mm-hmm. and... Their styling is – that aviator turned my head the other day. I went, is that a Ray Lincoln? Yeah. They're, 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 honestly, wow. Honestly, Lincoln has found themselves in their SUVs, and they've done a good job of separating. We used to joke yeah. nothing to see here. There's stuff to see there now because they have separated yeah. themselves out from the exact same size. Pick, pick an SUV in the Ford lineup. Lincoln has an equivalent. But unless you parked them side by side and dug in, it would be hard to know which one's which. Because the Lincoln stuff has separated itself from the bones of what came out of the Ford lineup. And that was the problem Lincoln had for a while. It was just like, this is just a Ford with a couple of nicer pieces of leather on it. Now they're separating it out. They really and are. And that Navigator yeah. and the seats they're putting in their, in their big SUVs right now are killer. They really are. They're really good. good. I'm, I'm astounded. And I'm with you. The new, brand new 21 Suburban 
I don't like the Suburban, the Tahoe. Oh, yeah. That the, front the restyle, end. They just, well, yeah. Only a mother could love that face. Chevy's gone with wow. a really aggressive front end, and they seem to... And every, Not a good. Let, let's hope that, that BMW doesn't do what GM has done in this regard, because the, the, they came up with that crazy face, and all of us kind of went, what is that? And then Chevy <laughs> went, you know what we should do? We should put it on every truck we've got. Chevy's over there going, what a good idea. Let's double down on that. I mean, I, I do wonder, Kevin, if... Um, look, I know you don't want to entertain, any, entertain anything GM, but I'm just going to throw this out to you. I'm sorry you had a bad experience. Yeah. I, I genuinely am. I've had a good number of GM trucks in my life and Land Cruisers, by the way. Uh, Land Cruisers aren't, aren't all necessarily bulletproof and perfect, and GM products aren't all necessarily bad. I'm putting it out there. I know I'm pushing buttons to say that, <laughs> but I do wonder if a more recent GM product might stand the test of time better. In spite of that, I'm still not recommending it. I think I have found your truck, though. Oh, really? I do. Exciting. Well, you brought up Lincoln, and... A brand new Expedition is also... I loaded one out just because I was curious. They're $88,000. That's an Expedition. Mm-hmm. Now, I would prefer the Lincoln styling, to be honest, if you can believe it. I love my Expedition. It's a 2012, 126,000 miles it's on amazing. it now. It just feels like it runs. Have I've you, taken care of it, but it just runs. And when you drive it, it is cavernous. And then I have to say it again. Anytime we park it beside any modern truck... It looks like a midsize. I don't know how both of those really things are does. possible. It is such a huge truck, and it is shrinking compared to Nuke Opportunities. It really, it really is amazing. The expeditions are my choice. I know Todd has definitely spent more time with GM and you know GM trucks. I've spent more time with Ford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I do like Fords. I like the expedition. I like what they've done. I like that they were independent suspension from the get go. Mm-hmm. I like a lot of things about them. I do like the new ones, even though the, I changed some things about the front end. The navigators are great. Either one of those. I say definitely if that meets your needs, they can tow what you need. They've got the space. There really isn't anything that competes with the Suburban and the Navigator and Expedition in that in that sense. They are very much leading the class as far as available space in this area. But I think I found what might be right for Kevin. Really? I do have another suggestion here. Okay. I do have another suggestion. And that is the thing that I really kind of fell in love with. Okay. It's the Mercedes GLS 450. Yeah, that's really good. The towing capacity is right around 7,500, 7,700 pounds. Mm -hmm. It has bouncy bounce mode. It's got curve inclination (laughs) mode. There you go. Bouncy bounce mode. Yeah. Cornering at 90 with everybody in it will prove to be rather uneventful. Mm Mm-hmm. I just I don't know that the back seat is the space that you're looking for, mm-hmm. but I do want you to give the Mercedes at least go drive it, at uh-huh. least go take a look it. at it. Yeah, it's worth it. They're made in Tuscaloosa. I think they're awesome. I yeah. love what Mercedes has done. They are big, but they don't feel big and they don't drive big. Agreed. Agreed. But lots of space in that car. I don't think driving big is an issue with Kevin here. Mm-hmm. So I'm really I'm the Expedition. I'm the Navigator. I'm yeah. I like your I GLS like a lot. That's a good one. But what I want you to do is when you go shopping, I want you to walk into the dealership with everybody, Kevin. And I mean everybody. <laughs> You're going to have to rally the troops. Yeah. Get everybody in your family that you would take on a road trip. You all climb into the SUV as if you were departing on a road trip. You mm. leave the salesperson behind mm-hmm. <laughs> and you go driving. Yeah. Bring your luggage. Go through a Wendy's drive through Go get drinks for everybody. <laughs> Fill up those cup holders. That's a great point. Go. Yeah. Actually, don't drive it just yourself and look around and think, yeah, I think this will work. Don't do that. Yeah. Bring everybody. Yeah. All That's eight a great of you idea. or however many. That's a great many, idea. You all yeah. walk in. Yeah. We're here to drive mm-hmm. and we're going to leave you behind. Here's my license. Yeah, yeah. Bye-bye. Yeah, yeah. 
we're going to go see if this fits our needs. Yeah. Because you won't really know. Because That's you'll do the same point. thing when you get at home. You'll buy yeah, it when you yeah. get at home, and then everybody goes, let's go for a ride. And then, oops. Uh, hmm, how are we going to get around that? Mm-hmm. Bring everybody. That's a great point. Whether you really go drive like that, that Mercedes. I think you'll be shocked by the Mercedes, but I do think, even though I think the towing is there, it drives wonderfully. It's a great style. Because if you're spending eighty grand, get the GLS 450. Mm-hmm. They start at 76. You're never going to drive the GLS 450 and think, this is just underpowered. No, you're not. I mean, you you're can not. get the crazy stupid ones There's that we've driven as well. And they're just crazy stupid. But <sighs> 450 is the one we first drove. We were both like, this is the base model? It's excellent. Yeah. It's excellent. But to be honest, I'm expedition guy. I see it. I see it. I think the Navigator is really compelling. I get the Expedition. Suburban does exist too, but I understand your hatred. Uh, so, I, I, but <laughs> the here's, new one is here's, not pretty. Here's yeah. the one, though, and, and I and I really like your GLS. That I hadn't thought about. That's a really really good option here. I like I, a lot. Put put the under twenty five people in the backseat in the third row, <laughs> and yeah, you know, look see at your watch thinks. and wait till the complaining begins, and then yeah. you'll know yes or no. But his Land Cruiser love led mm-hmm. me to do some research. Okay. Because I wondered about something that hasn't been brought up. Okay. And I think it just might work. Really? Bigger than the Land Cruiser. Not quite as big as the... I literally pulled up the the stats. I wanted to see hip room, headroom, leg room, cargo space for Suburbans and Navigators and this. And it's close. Ford Transit? Toyota Sequoia. Sequoia, oh, interesting. Bigger than the Forerunner, bigger than the Land Cruiser, almost has the behind the third row storage capacity, almost, of the big boys we're talking about. Not quite. All, That's yeah, where almost. you're losing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's... Towing should be about the same, and it's, it's got a solid rear axle. 7,400 pounds of towing, so it gets the boat done. Okay, okay. It is, honestly, it is bigger in every single dimension than your Land Cruiser. <laughs> it's a Toyota yeah, product. yeah. We had one on a family road trip, and we had a, a, a loaner a while back, a little over a year ago. I had a family road trip, and it was phenomenal. It was me, my wife, my son, my parents, and a—I mean, frankly, nobody packed efficiently. Way too much luggage, and we had tons of space. We had tons of space. Okay, interesting. So, we, I mean, not as many that people was as you're five taking, of you. Yeah, here, that was right? five of us, and and honestly, stupid luggage. I mean, it was just like what what. Because because what happens is when you drive, my, my wife is the queen of this. When you drive, she's like, well, let's just take this random bag of stuff we might use. It's like, what are we? Th- <sighs> no. Yeah. So anyway, so the Sequoia. Sequoia is interesting. Because I think it does all the stuff you like about the Land Cruiser and your Toyota reliability, but it gets you the more space you need. I think it's going to be a little smaller. Well, I, I know, just based on dimensions. It's a little smaller than the big Navigators and Expeditions, yeah. but it's closer than you think. And I also, it's closer than you think when you see it, too. You look at it and you think, that's not True. very big. The Sequoias are big. They are significantly larger usable space-wise than the Land Cruiser. Like, there's, there's a whole, it uh, almost feels like you're jumping from mid-size to full-size. So I'm wondering if that might bridge the gap between your Toyota good experience and your love of the Land Cruiser and your need for something closer to Suburban. Okay, Kevin, I will I will go along with this under one condition. Okay. That you get the Sequoia TRD Pro. Because we had both of them, as a matter of fact. The one you took on the road trip, and then later on we had the TRD Pro. Okay. I didn't like the Sequoia that you guys had on your road trip. And that was a it was a twenty nineteen, I believe. Keep going, keep going. Didn't like it. I thought for the price and for how big it is, it didn't the doors didn't sound good when you closed them. It just felt <laughs> okay. cheap to me. Okay. And then the 2020 that we had and the TRD package, mm-hmm. I thought it rode far better. The suspension alone mm-hmm. changed that truck for me. 
And I thought, how is this possible? This is more the rough and tumble off-road package. See, I disagreed with you, but I hear you. on road, and I liked it on road. I okay. didn't like the normal cruiser, whatever. I didn't yeah. like that one. I think the TRD changed it dramatically. It looks better. It's got the, you know, the lights, yeah. lighting package. It's got the, you know, fender flares. There's and the definitely a change look between to the it. two, yeah. There's a significant difference. And so I will go along with that if you get the TRD Pro. But you're going to have to go drive them and take got, the whole family. You got to drive them both. Everybody. Yeah. Just take everybody I love and that. walk in, blow away the sales team, and say, I'm, this we're, is happening. This is what Just we're doing. Just let it happen, baby. You've heard us talk about drive homework because it's vital to drive a lot of things when you're trying to find your next car. Knowing your options is incredibly important. And this applies to online shopping, too. You don't want to search just one website unless that site is searching all the other ones for you. That's why we love Auto Tempest. We know you've heard us talk about it before, and we hope you've already seen how far you can shop with just one search. Auto Tempest pulls from all the top used car sites at once, so you know you won't miss that ideal car. Autotempest.com. All the cars, one search. Rodney Butler is writing to us on Facebook. Asking if we'll talk him off the ledge because he's looking at a 2002 Maserati Spider Cambio Corsa, twelve thousand oh, dollars with wow. only twenty five thousand miles. Rodney, if you can get that for like eleven, <laughs> tell you what, Rodney, I'll say yes if you can get it for ten nine nine five, the same price I paid for my QP five. That's funny. And you buy it with a credit card, I say yes. <laughs> if you, could, if, if you, you could, can pull that off, if you could be as stupid as we were, yes. Congratulations. Because it has the same, well, it's got the upgraded engine. It was the 4.2. Mine had the 4.7, but it's 4.2. No, actually, 4.7 was later. I had the 4.2. It's still the 4.2 Ferrari V8 <laughs> in this car, and the engine was not the problem. Yeah, it true. turned out it's uh, the electrics. Yeah. And if you mm, get any transmission beside the dual select, mm-hmm. I think it'll be fine. If you, as long as you don't bring expectations like, this is my forever car, and this is my sports car, and I'm going to do everything with it. Okay, drive it. But yeah. if you're doing tracking or whatever, I'd say probably not. But if you buy it, 10995 with a credit card, send me the receipt. <laughs> yes. I love the challenge of this. That's, that's fantastic. Waleed on Facebook says, we talk about how Cor- Corvettes are great. And we do. We really like them. Watch our American original film. We're big fans of Corvettes. And I think they surprise people with much better dynamics and just enjoyable to drive than people think. But this is back to Waleed's question because he said he can't overcome the perception that it's a car for old retired men or a midlife crisis that they're just going to drive slowly. He just can't, he can't connect himself to the Mm. Corvette because he has that perception of him, Mm. which is a perception problem the Corvette genuinely has. So he'd kind of like to LS swap a car to get a Corvette experience without having to buy a Corvette. Any recommendations on what cars would benefit from the LS swap and given the Corvette experience? Now, all first of off, them. All, yeah, all this, the is, cars. this is the thing, Waleed. What car do you like? You could probably put an LS in it. We did that 944 a few years back, Jeff's 944. It was amazing. Porsche yeah, it was, cool. with, but, it was cool. But now, here's the thing, though. Now you've bought yourself a project. Can you handle a project? Are you good with just playing with the project for a while? So I'm going to give you an alt. Okay. Buy a Jaguar F Type with the V8. I like that. Because that is a lot of the Corvette experience without being a vet. And if you have more money than that, I'll give you another one. Lexus LC500. A lot of the Corvette experience without being a Corvette. We're talking about big V8s. Now, honestly, all of that to say, Waleed, you know what? If you can, I'm just going to say this. If you can, drive it yourself. They're cheap. They're like 30, 40 grand. Drive yourself a C6 sixth generation 
Corvette Z06 with a manual and that big seven liter. Yeah. And tell me you're not tempted. Yeah. I, it's because the typical Corvette owner doesn't drive them hard and fast. They don't blow by you in the left lane. They just don't. If they did, I think your perception about them would change. Mm-hmm. So if you look at them from the lens of the C7R race team. Oh, interesting point. And yeah, Andy yeah. Pilgrim, yeah, yeah. one of their racers. And look how successful and genuinely fast and what a threat they were to mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. other yeah, car yeah, yeah. In, in their class on track. The C7R is dominant. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. But that doesn't connect with the buyer. Yeah, it doesn't. It, there's there's a not equal sign. Yeah, you're there's right. a you're gulf right. yep. between yep. the two, and I understand that. But if you start looking at it from a race team perspective and how good they are when when you do drive them hard and fast, they come alive. They're really actually good. And you think, why don't people drive these fast? They're good. They're, they're awesome. Great. Yeah, they're really good. So look at it maybe from a different perspective and go drive the car. Todd suggested definitely. I, I like that. Steve Urban is asking about buying sports cars. He says he appreciates the point that we've made that we have to encourage manufacturers to make more sports cars. And the way to do that is by buying new versions of their sports cars. This Uh is the reason the whole world Uh has CUVs. But he's asking, does it help to buy a CPO, a certified pre-owned, not Paul-owned, certified pre-owned sports car on the used market? Does that help the manufacturer say, hey, there's interest? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Because again, when you're dealing with the dealer, any extra money is the dealer's. So ultimately, the manufacturer, as I understand it, the manufacturer is not getting benefit from the fact that you bought the car used in a CPO fashion. Who bought the car the first time? That's where they made their money. Mm-hmm. There's a question over here. I'm looking for Hayden Hughes' question. He says, Have we been recommending a car to someone and they rejected a brand because they think it's for people trying to look rich? He was recommending some $40,000 sports cars to a friend, and he outright rejected Porsche and Aston Martin because, quote, I'm not trying to look like a millionaire. Well, I think the secret and what we've discovered in having the show and our headspace is when you do get an inexpensive car that looks like that, it's it's not about trying to trick people or, or look a certain way. It's trying to help people understand, look at the driving experience that I can buy for cheap. Mm-hmm. I got that Porsche for less than you paid for your Camry. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. I'm not trying to look like, I'm not trying, you know, looks are one thing and, and yeah, people yeah, yeah. buy cars that way. That's, that's a separate thing. But the whole everyday driver mantra and headspace is look what I got for less that appears to be far more. It appears that way when you're taking to the mechanic, they see you coming and they yes. say, Aha. <laughs> that's yeah. not the point, but it's, it's more about look at the car and the experience that I'm getting for far less that people just never even thought of. It didn't yeah. ever occur to you that you paid $19,000 for a Cayman. $7,000 for a BMW Z4. <laughs> for yeah. That. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, but but the the flip side, though, is there there is a lineup of people. There are plenty of buyers out there that they're very worried about giving the wrong impression because of the brand, and they don't have the opportunity in traffic parking it at work, whatever, to explain sure. the reality of what we're talking about. That is and a that's fair an point. Issue. That's, that's a an fair issue point. for sure. I agree. And and especially for employers and, you know, you, you, it seems like you're driving a better car than the boss and all that kind of stuff. I, that I, can be issues. I, I do I get mean, that. I'm the guy that buys that car anyway and then explains it, but but I'm right. not, I've right. never but been just, deemed normal. It's more about the, the headspace. And if they do drive the Cayman or the Boxster or some other car, a BMW, something like mm-hmm. that, and I think well, this driving experience just suits me and I want to have it. And yeah, that justifies yeah, yeah. therefore, and I, I paid less. Okay. It's out of warranty. I'm dealing with maintenance and mm-hmm, there's mm-hmm. some potential problems maybe coming my way. That's what I'm dealing with. Yeah, but yeah. I didn't pay $33,000 for a brand new, you know, 
Toaster. What makes me laugh is when you or I are in a sports car, like our sports cars. The Elise is the best example, but you know what? Miatas and other used Porsche sports cars, whatever. And you park next to someone in a brand new F two fifty, yeah, dually, yeah, that was probably eighty grand. Yes, and they look at us like, "Wow, you're just spending lots of money on your car." And I'm like, "Uh, uh." uh pickups have this weird price blind spot they cost so much but people never look at a pickup and think wow you're rich they just never do that and yet you drive an old used you know twenty thousand dollars sports car it's like oh you're showing off like but the pickup the was lease appears the, to be a yes. 50 to eighty thousand yes. dollar car it does it, it does. looks like money mm-hmm. but you're right the pickup trucks that's hayden that's the only way to get around it your friend can only look at pickup trucks <laughs> If you're not trying to be rich, I, I didn't expect that to go there. You're right. You could buy a pickup and nobody would know. That's very funny. Steezy West GTS on Instagram says, what's our honest opinion of the third generation, the NC generation Miata? Watch oh, our yeah. YouTube piece. It's also was a TV piece. Watch our YouTube piece of all four generations. He said, everyone seems to hate it. We do not. We actually like it quite a bit. I hope you've driven one and you get to watch that piece. Question from Briel Swanee on Instagram mm. asking about the best manual gearbox we have ever driven I will say the 86 is way up there. I, I actually don't think you can do a best. I saw this question as well from Blake. I, I, I don't think you can do just the just a single one, but I can list one greatest hits. gearbox to yeah, rule I can, them all. I can list greatest hits. I know this is a cliche, but it's true. Honda does great ones. They do. They do. S2000 is an example. But you know what? The, the current uh, Civic Type R is excellent. Honda just does really, really good six speeds. The 86, I agree, is it's way, way up, there. up there. It's, it's so it's, good. People don't appreciate yeah. how good that gearbox is. It's also it's also not just gearbox, but it's gearbox versus clutch versus the ergonomics of the whole setup. True. The eighty six. I'm counting all it. of that. I know you. The eighty six yes. nailed it. They on really all did. of that. The problem with the current Civic is the fact that it's got rev hang. Exactly. Good gearbox yes, with rev hang, exactly. but the but the eighty six is great. Uh, the Miatas aren't standout, but there's nothing to complain about, which is interesting about the Miata gearboxes. And anytime I drive one of those, I'm just like, this is a nice, solid six-speed. I never think, wow. But sure. I just think, this is solid, whereas the 86 surprises me. Another great round is early 2000 or current, noticed I skipped a bit, Porsches in six-speed. Not mm. the sevens. Sevens all feel. I've driven the Porsche seven. I've driven the Corvette seven. The sevens just don't feel right for some reason. I don't mm. know if it's the, the awareness of that extra gear. Interesting. You get lost in the middle of all the the line. Anyway, sure. sure. But the mid two thousands Porsches, both in the nine nine seven nine eleven and the early Caymans, great six speed. And the current one is also spectacular. Yeah, I do like the Veloster N. I do like that transmission. That's a pretty good one. Yeah, it's yeah. It's pretty good. I'll take that. And I'll the take SLK that. is surprisingly delightful. Well, I would say, honestly, I would say if you're talking not best, but most surprising, your Mercedes gearbox. Every time I it's drive it, I'm there. like, this is really, who knew this was going to be yeah, good? It's good. We, we, we yes. kind of laughed. We're like, hey, manual Mercedes. That's funny that we both drive it. with. This is a really good gearbox. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, 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 it's this yeah. is delightful to drive. Yeah. And I will say, a friend recently got a 2015 Boxster GTS. She picked one up, and um, I had the opportunity to drive it just mm-hmm. recently. Mm-hmm. I will say publicly that I did not choose wrong. <laughs> I did not choose poorly. Caveat, 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 by caveat. buying a Cayman PDK. It is mm. fantastically brilliant. I mm-hmm. love my Cayman. But my next Cayman's going to be manual. That, the, I guarantee yeah. it. It's so good. It was so good. She's very happy with it and, you know, sends me messages every so often to say how good it is. And she's right. Yeah, manual six-speed is awesome in that regard. J.R. Schultz said uh, he's um, he's in Wisconsin. Bad bad weather. 
Lots of winner. <laughs> he says V8 Challenger, Camaro, or Mustang as the only car year-round. He said, is this a terrible idea, or can I get by this with winter tires? The, the, the quick answer here is, and, and I'm saying this because it varies on what you're shopping. Mm. Make sure you get a limited slip differential. Okay. If you okay. get that, and you are a person who understands, <clears throat> how do I put this, how to modulate the throttle pedal. Ah. If you're a person who uses on-off with throttle application, this is a bad idea. If you understand how to modulate the throttle pedal and how it changes the attitude of a car, one of those cars with limited slip diff and winter tires, I think you would have a great time. Hmm. But you can't. But here's the last thing I will say: you can't drive in the winter like you drive in the summer. No, no, no. So keep. I mean, you can, but just be ready for. There'll be more snowbanks in your future. Yes, (laughs) life changes. Steve Manzov writes to us asking if we would agree that the '80s and early '90s were quite possibly the worst for car design, or is it his bias? He says '70s. He says '80s and early '90s. But 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 I'm saying. Oh, seventies. Are, are we are we yeah, ignoring yeah, yeah. the seventies? Yeah, the late seventies was was ba- was just bad. He says he was born in eighty five, and to him, cars from the age of his childhood just looked too bland and too angular. And I understand that, but look at some Jags, look at the Mercedes Benzes. I think it's seventy five to eighty five. I mean, I'm not saying that's a hard and fast rule, but I think it's the back half of the seventies and the first half of the eighties is the worst. I. There's okay, Steve. I'll give you some of them, but then there's standouts as well. I agree with that. Yeah, because there's also the thing that I consider is when cars were designed versus when they actually appeared okay, on the market. Point. Yeah, in the 80s and 90s, the development cycle for cars was mm, three years. Right now, it's 18 months. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, because of technology, the yeah. the ability to cycle a design from sketch mm, to being mm, able to mm-hmm. visualize it digitally collaboration for teams mm. being able to prototype yeah, and right. build cars has become much faster you're so right which is amazing in the 80s and 90s three years was sort of fast yeah so for the Acura NSX it was design mid 80s mm-hmm. maybe early 80s well you bring up but but here's the end of the 80s though think about the fact you've got the NSX comes out the Ferrari F40 comes out. Those mm-hmm. are two style icons of the late 80s. Early yes. 90s, you have the 300ZX comes out, and the Supra and the RX-7, that's the early 90s. I think the late 80s starts to redeem itself. I agree. Late I agree. 70s, early, early 80s, 80s. Uh, there's, a lot, I, of, I think there's the, a lot of ugly in there. Yeah, there's <laughs> a lot of ugly. I agree, I agree. I just think the timeline maybe just needs to be shifted a little bit in there. But again, we can all think of standouts. Yeah. That S2000? Designed early on, but then I think it just looks great. Yeah. You could say it's slab-sided and simple, but the simple stuff carries bright colors, and it looks good for a long time. Think about the fact that the S2000 came out in 99, mm-hmm. and it had a start button. Yeah, And we all looked at it like it was a spaceship. Like, what is... I don't need a start got a button. Start I've got button. a key. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, now, I still kind of do that. I've got a key. Why do I need... Anyway. Well, you know, now we have start buttons instead of keys, but anyway, that's okay. Matthew asks a question that I don't think I want to answer because it's going to horrify me if I start to do math. Oh, no. Okay. He says that we mentioned in a recent podcast how we drive a lot to get the right shots, and we do. Have we ever kept track of or tried to calculate how many miles we drive per year Oh, or have driven for the show? I have not. I have not. But here's the thing. Keep in mind. Mm. Anytime we drive a car for camera. Now, no, 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 let me back up. Anytime we drive a car for a comparison. When we drive them for test drives, we don't always put as much 
mileage on them. We still put mileage, but not as much. Anytime we drive a car for comparison, 300 is about the minimum worth of miles that car will get put on it. And you and I are probably trading off as far as while we have it, we're going to probably put at least, I'm talking like that's the floor, 300 miles on the car. There's been some, it's 600 better part of a thousand. And that's getting to location. Just getting all the driving that we do on camera, going back and forth past the camera. You could, if, if, if you're bored, if you're bored, Matthew, and you have a calculator, <laughs> I suppose you could go through the cars we've driven for comparisons and you could start to do the math and find a horrifying figure. I have not done this, but here's the crazy thing. I also still put like 6,000 a year on my Lotus at least. And I'm not mm-hmm. even, I'm not even doing a daily Salt Lake commute anymore. Yeah. Right. Right. And that doesn't count the mileage my wife puts on her kind. There's a lot of driving going on. Let's just say We're that. We're constantly driving. All right. Connor Cook says, driving dynamics aside, what are some examples of great looking cars available for under $30,000? Side note, we know Mazda is killing it. Yes. Mazda is definitely up there at the top of the list for pretty much everything they build. They're doing great right now. Yeah. Other examples are appreciated. Well, I'd say Hyundai and Kia. I mean, you look at a slightly used Kia Stinger. Mm-hmm. I think they're gorgeous. Yeah. I do. I, I do like where Hyundai is going with their designs. Not everybody is on my side of the fence on that uh, subject, true, but true. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I do like what they're doing because they're trying some new stuff and you know, it's atypical and they're pushing it out there and they're def- definitely making a, a look and brand for themselves. You know that that is a Hyundai, you know that that's a Kia. That's a fair point. And I, I do point. like that. There's also a question from Paul Cavanaugh asking at what point do we come to accept that a Ferrari Mondial is more similar to a Chevy Cavalier than it is different the point is never, <laughs> I exclaim, no, you okay. need to drive a Ferrari Mondial before Cavalier won't even enter your mind Fair because point. that's where Fair I point. was. I thought Mondials, yeah. rr, rr, uh-huh. how li-. and then it was like a, a light from heaven. It, there, I, a door opened, a, a wormhole <laughs> appeared, a Mondial. The angels sang from heaven. They, a I, light appeared and shone amazing. down on the car. Yeah. I will well, happily take. I want a hard top, but I, yeah, Mondials are awesome. Yeah, 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 the and guy, they are slab sided, but that's the appeal. But but you and I talked about when we first drove one. Here's the thing: these are not fast cars. They're not incredible cars in corners. But I do think I do think that, and I said it before, I'm going to say it here again. I think that when Porsche left hydraulic steering, they lost a little bit of magic. And I think yeah. when Ferrari left gated shifters, they lost some magic. Mm-hmm. Gated shifters are not that fast. They really aren't. It, it slows they're, your they're, shifting They're down. a little awkward, yeah. to be honest. It's a detriment. But there's something about the snicked that it does and the movement. I'm, I'm literally, you can't see, but Paul's laughing at me because I'm moving my hand <laughs> He's right now. He's I'm shifting, moving my hand. I'm actually. shifting here while, while you can't see it. There's something about it that connects you to that car in a yeah. weird way. And so those older Ferraris that have that, that gated shifter, there's a little bit of magic there that you don't realize until you drive one and you go, this is really cool. Exactly. And because it's older, we can get back to the ring it out question. Yes. You can actually ring it out. The which brings me sublime on those cars. To, to Philippia Rodriguez's question to me, Track Daily Crush for me, and I'm going to tie all of these things together. He okay. says, Track Daily Crush for me, he's doing the Lotus Edition. Oh, nice. Lotus Elise. Hennessy Venom, oh, that which is registered as a Lotus Elise because it's a Lotus Elise from the A-pillar forward and madness from their it's, back. It's a crash-tested Lotus Elise is, it is essentially what it is. With Far more power than they ever crashed actually with, but that's okay. Or a Tesla Roadster, also <laughs> ooh, a Lotus Elise. Ooh. I'm going to, I, this may surprise you, but back to my thing about being able to use a car. Yeah. I think I crushed the Hennessy. I was wondering about that. Because I don't think it, you're actually going to get what is available out of it. What do you go do with a Venom? 
what do you do with it? Except go to Texas and drive on Hennessy's track. And exactly. Do, do, do runway runs, essentially, yeah. which is back to where we started the podcast talking about the SSC. So I would track the Elise all the time, and I would daily the Tesla Roadster. Very interesting. I must compliment all of you on your questions. The quality of thought that goes into <laughs> this really fun. is spectacular. So thank you. Keep them coming. Oh, and keep in mind, yes. this is podcast 548. Mm-hmm, podcast 550 yes. will be all questions all the time. Yikes. Yikes. That's coming at us. So send us your car debates, your topic Tuesdays, your car conclusions, which you are. It's fantastic. Thank you guys for dropping us a line. And thanks for watching. Thanks for your support. For sure. It really, it fuels Todd and I. Big time. In all the metaphors and ways that you want to use that. (laughs) Until next time. Cheers, everybody. (laughs) 